You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Listen, a fleshly decision that yields the fruit of a child doesn't mean that God doesn't love that child or we shouldn't love that child. Are you with me? The matter distressed Abraham. Verse 12, but God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Today, Pastor Danny will remind you that all life is important to God. Now, obviously, that has a lot of implications. God even loves the sinners? Yes. God loves those who have turned away from Him after their salvation? Yes. God loves me even after I did all of those awful things? Yes, He does. Despite our mistakes and consistent hang-ups, God still sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for our sins. Before we were even conceived, God knew our sins, and yet we're loved as sons and daughters. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 21, as he begins his message, The Flesh and the Cross and the Resurrection Perspective. Genesis chapter 21 is where we are. Don't go ahead of me because this is a great story, but it opens this way. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. And what he had promised was uh, this miracle conception and miracle child. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Now, you got to catch that and think about it for a minute because the time God had promised, God didn't promise the time until about nine months before. That was just a few chapters ago when uh, the Lord came with the angels and they were going to go down and uh, deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember that God told Abraham there and Sarah was listening in the tent about this time next year. I'm going to return about this time next year and Sarah's going to have a son. Now, that's interesting in light of that statement. So Sarah became pregnant, verse 2, and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. But for 24 plus years, or at least 24 years, they didn't know the time. They just had to trust. And you know, they didn't trust completely because several years into the promise without anything happening, and now they're just getting older. And now it's humanly impossible for them to conceive a child. Humanly impossible. And so Sarah made the suggestion to Abraham, uh, the handmaid that he got while he was down in Egypt out of God's will, 
and brought her back, and uh, Abraham had relations with her, and then was conceived Ishmael. And so they didn't walk in faith. They made a terrible mistake. It's not the only mistake they made. Don't raise your hand, but I wonder, <laughs> you know, if you've been walking with the Lord for several years, I wonder if you made any mistakes along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if there's not a hand to go up, you can leave. If we were going to raise hands. But God was faithful. God was faithful to his promise. But it's been 25 years since Abram, now Abraham, set out on this journey of faith. God called him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. He was, a, he was an idolater, worshiper of false gods. And God called him, and he left by faith. And he left that life of idolatry. And God gave tremendous promises to him. And, and for years, for years, especially in regard to the promise of Children as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Now finally, 25 years later, the Lord was gracious to Sarah. She became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Verse 3, Abraham gave the name Esau. That's the way they say it in, in Israel. Esau. Isaac, we would say, gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah, uh, bore him. It, <laughs> yeah, that, it's funny because you know what his name means? Laughter. Abraham laughed when God finally told him, you know, because Abraham had said, well, if only Ishmael could live under your blessing. And God said, no, Ishmael's not the one. That, that's your deal. That's not my deal. That's your deal. And Abraham laughed. And then Sarah, listening in the tent, she laughed, but then she told God she didn't laugh, and God said, yeah, you laughed. No, you laughed. I heard you. So they name him Laughter. <laughs> when his son Isaac, Laughter, was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Chapter 17 was the covenant of circumcision, and just take a quick, quick note back at chapter 17. Um, Verse 10 of chapter 17, God says, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you're to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You're to undergo circumcision. It'll be the sign of the covenant. That's important. The sign of the covenant between me and you. In other words, there's nothing magical about the circumcision. It's a sign. And then, you know, verse 24, this is important. Abraham was 99 years old and he was circumcised. Ouch. That's all I have to say about that. And his son Ishmael was 13. Double ouch. I mean, most children that get circumcised, they don't remember it. Praise the Lord. Uh, these guys would have remembered it. But Abraham is circumcised. And Ishmael, when he was 13 years old, he was also circumcised. That's important in the story. Now back to chapter 21, verse 5. Abraham was 100 Years old when his son laughter was born to him. Hey, any parents here tonight? Come on, parents. Probably most of us. Most of us. Come on, let raise your hand. Can you imagine having your first child when you're 100 years old? We ain't gonna live that long. A hundred years old, and they have their first child. Now let me tell you what happens. And I didn't. I just just popped into my mind. Just listen. Here's what happens the older you are when you have your first child. 
the more you want the best for that child, not that you don't want the best for your children no matter what your age is, but the older you are, you watch older parents, they are more, well, unfortunately, they can also tend to spoil their children when they're older. Now, it doesn't have to happen, but it can happen. So 100 years old, and they got their first child, and their only child, their only child. And Sarah, verse 6, said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. I mean, this is so joyous. Now that God has fulfilled his promise, and certainly they love this child in a very special way, in a very unique way. Because it's not just their only child in old age. It's the child of the promise of God that they've been waiting for for years and years and years. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew, was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. I mean, of course he would. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. You don't like this feast because the feast is in honor of the child of the promise. The feast is in honor of Isaac. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Now, what's ironic about uh, Sarah here is it was her idea to start with for Abraham to have Hagar. And he agreed to it. They were both wrong. Now she says, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Now, God uses this very real, true story to teach us a tremendous lesson. Tremendous lesson. But it's still difficult. The situation is difficult. Look at verse 11. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son, Ishmael. Abraham loves Ishmael, even though it was not in God's will. Listen, a fleshly decision that yields the fruit of a child doesn't mean that God doesn't love that child or we shouldn't love that child. Are you with me? The matter distressed Abraham. Verse 12, but God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless Ishmael. Abraham loves Ishmael. God loves Ishmael. Verse 14, so early... The next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He sent them, he set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boys. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. I love verse 17. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God. Let me remind us again. Anytime you see in the Old Testament, the angel of God or the angel of the Lord, that is Christ. That is Christ. 
in the Old Testament. Christ became that babe conceived in the Virgin Mary's womb, but he is without beginning of days or end of life. He's God. And here it's Christ, the angel of God. Christ. Christ comes. And he called to Hagar from heaven and he said to her, what's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and and she gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. Isn't that interesting? God was with him. He lived in the desert and he became an archer. Verse 21, while he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Now, don't let this throw you. God loves Ishmael. God loves Hagar. But their lives are a lesson, a lesson for us. And, 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 and I'm not making it up, and I'll prove it in just a minute. I'm not making it up, I'm not reading anything into it. It's a, it's a lesson. Their literal lives are meant to be a lesson for us. Two messages here. One is what I've already noted, that God loves even children conceived by a fleshly decision. But the second message in this true story, where did Hagar come from? Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. We know that from several scriptures. We know it, if nothing else, from God delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's a picture of the world. You find it Old Testament. You find it referred to in Revelation. Even Jerusalem is called uh, Sodom and Egypt because of the spiritual condition uh, it's in at the time. It's a type of the world. That's clear from scripture. Hagar's from Egypt. Hagar's from the world. Ishmael, Ishmael is a son born of the flesh, if you will, all right? Born of the flesh. And so it's natural for his mother, who's from Egypt, to get a wife from Egypt, from the world. Now, what's the specific message here? Leave here, come, we're coming back here, but put a marker there, and go to the New Testament, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Ishmael is the son of the flesh. All right? Isaac, laughter, is the son of the spirit. Okay? Verse 21, Galatians chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively. Their literal lives and what happened is painting for us something of a picture, a lesson, figurative. For the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, what's the significance of Mount Sinai? That's where God gave Moses the law, okay? Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children, in slavery with her children because 
They're natural born children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. And she is our mother. This is a little bit deep, but please, I hope God gives you insight into what's so practical here. For it is written, be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you have no, who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. It's the same now. Why do the Pharisees always condemn Jesus and the disciples? Because they, though they were religious, the law always condemns. And the law is very religious in terms of those people trying to keep it and think they're good enough to keep it. And that's what the Pharisees thought. Of course, nobody's good enough to keep the law. Are you with me? But if you think you are, you're going to condemn those born by the power of the Spirit. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And then verse 1, chapter 5, connects right with it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I tell you, that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. I declare to you, every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he's obligated to obey the whole law. Now, circumcision also represents any kind of religious right that you think you can do or keep that will gain you righteousness. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the spirit, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, let me just paint for you in a little more specific point detail the lesson that these verses and these true lives of Hagar and Ishmael paint for us. Hagar and Ishmael, in contrast to Sarah Abraham, the miracle child, Isaac, who represents Christ. And here's some pointed practical lessons. The flesh always wants to reign. The flesh wants to rule. The flesh wants to be the heir. That's why there's the contention. Once Isaac is born, he's born from above. He's the miracle child. He's the miracle conception. Once he appears on the scene, once there's the birth by the Spirit, there's contention with the one birthed by the flesh. That's why the mocking, when Abraham made the great feast after Isaac was weaned. It's interesting that for some 13 years, there was no contention. But as soon as there's the birth, by the Spirit, there's the contention. There was no real contention until you really came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm not saying your conscience wasn't bothered sometimes when the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction, but it was that time when you really repented and said, I'm repenting, I'm going to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and heaven did that work that only heaven can do, and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us and made us new creatures. And at that 
moment, the old life and the old self began to contend with the new life and the new self. We read about it over and over again, especially in places like Romans chapter 7. But don't turn there right now. The flesh wants to be the ear. The second specific point I want to share before we move on is freedom from the flesh requires more than an outward circumcision. It's not going to church. It's not doing some religious thing. That's not the answer. We must be born from above, born again. Let me read you very quickly Romans chapter 2, just two verses. Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. Here's what the Lord says. Man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision by the heart, of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but God, because listen, we can't take any credit for it. God did it. God did it. We've been born again, born from above. Third thing I'll note quickly, whatever's born of the flesh cannot live in peace with that which is born of the of the Spirit. And I'm not going to take the time to read it, but you can go to Romans chapter 7, especially verses 14 to 25, and it's the schizo Christian life. I say it's the normal Christian life. It's that contention between the Spirit and the flesh, and it's a daily battle. And that's why Paul goes on and he says, The things I want to do, I don't do. That's not, he's not saying that's an excuse for sin. He's saying that's my battle. The sin that still dwells in the members of this body. I can't wait till that battle's over. I can't wait to get a new body where in only dwells righteousness. Only righteousness. There'll be no more contention then. Because our new body, it's, the, it's a spiritual body. That's what 1 Corinthians says. The body we're living in is a fleshly body. This is an Ishmael body, if you will. We're going to get a new body. It's a spiritual body. I can't wait. I know you can't either. So the fourth point, and then we're going to move on. We must make no provision for the flesh. That's the picture, even though it seems harsh for Abraham to send Hagar and Ishmael away. But there's no, there's, there's no place. You can't make any place for the flesh. And listen, we love the flesh. We naturally love the flesh. We want to satisfy the flesh. That's our natural descendancy. And that's why it's so hard to, to send Hagar and Ishmael away. But that's the picture. That's the picture. Put on the Lord Jesus, Romans 13, 14, and make, I love the way the old King James puts it, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans 6, don't let sin reign in your body. Matthew 5, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Your right eye causes you to sin, plug it out. You know, that's the idea. Make no provision for the flesh because the flesh will always win. Unless we're crucified. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's the sending away of Hagar and Ishmael. Now, we got to get back to the story. Genesis 21 and verse 22. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now, swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me in the country where you are living as an alien the same kindness I have shown to you. And Abraham said, I swear.
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. Pastor Danny's study through Genesis will continue next time, so be sure to tune in again. In the meantime, we encourage you to read through Genesis on your own. As you read, you'll discover more stories and characters and see exactly how God worked in their lives. These true accounts from the beginning of history are meant to inform you, and in this case, remind you of who God is. He loves His creation, you included and He wants to be a part of your life. We're so glad that you took the time to learn from God's Word today, and we'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry at our website, ccfstpete.church. You'll also learn about Calvary Chapel Fellowship and how you can join us for our weekly worship services. We meet on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings to spend time in worship and Bible study. You can find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. We'd love to hear from you too, so send us an email and let us know how we can pray for you. You can email us at info at ccfstpete.church. Would you pray for us too? We appreciate you partnering with us in this way, and we ask that you pray for your fellow listeners too. We'd also like you to consider supporting us financially. You can find out more on our website, ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.